Hey everybody, this is Greg Pettix, and you're listening to the 30th issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. So I have a question to posit to you, my listeners. What if six of the hottest comics creators unshackled themselves from the work-for-hire servitude of the four-color comic book plantations and set out to create their own company in which they could profit from their own creations and plan their destinies the way they saw fit. Hmm, imagine such a thing. I know what you're thinking about, Greg, that happened. It's called Image Comics, early 90s. No! This is, in this special edition of our podcast, we're going to tell you about what if Image Comics started in 1970? It's a little alternate history for you people. And uh, like all good alternate history stories, it will start with a point of departure. In this case, the departure of Jack Kirby from Marvel Comics in 1970. After over 10 years of uh, giving Marvel all of his best ideas, and he saw nothing for it except for a page rate with no royalties or anything. Jack Kirby finally got a little fed up. I think the main thing, though, was uh, living under Stanley's shadow. Stanley was taking all the credit for everything at Marvel. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Jack Kirby knew the score. So in our reality, Jack Kirby left Marvel in 1970 and went over to DC Comics. DC Comics kind of promised him the moon they were basically just wanting him out of Marvel because they knew that he kept cranking out good ideas for him. So they were like, come on over. And they knew it would be a blow to Marvel. So they wanted to hurt their biggest rival. So they promised him, you know, as many books as he wanted to write and draw, he could edit them. Um, well, I think he could edit them. Maybe that was later. Um, they were going to give him a line of black and white magazines so he could be like his own little kingpin from California where he lived he could have this little fiefdom within DC Comics that he would control, even hiring other artists to help him out. And um, most of those promises were bullshit. And uh, even the four titles he created for them, though amazing ideas uh, that DC has been mining ever since then. Uh, I'm talking about Jack Kirby's fourth world, of course, The New Gods. You know, he created Dark Side has been used in many movies and cartoons and you know they've profited a lot from his ideas but at the time they said they weren't selling that well and most were cancelled by their you know 15th, 16th 18th issue and he basically was uh, create, just went on to create other great shit for DC but he was kind of bitter kind of pissed off that DC kind of reneged they didn't really give him everything they said he would so Let's imagine a better world where Jack Kirby had a little backbone. Because Jack Kirby didn't. That guy was just a doormat for every comic editor. Chomping on a cigar. Always lying to him. He kept believing the lies. Kept creating slavishly, working away for them. And uh, never saw much for it. So in our reality, in our better reality, Jack Kirby is not going to just leave Marvel for DC. He's going to say, fuck this. I'm making my own comic company. I got at least four titles worth of shit that I could crank out every month just by myself. So even if it's just me, I could make a nice little comic company. 
And uh, Jack Kirby, I'm sure, had enough confidence in his abilities to create characters since he created million, dare I say, billion-dollar characters in his lifetime. So, in our reality, Jack Kirby is going to go over and make his own company. Let's just call it Image Comics. I couldn't think of a better name. So, he's going to do the new gods there. And uh, in our reality, it was three main titles. Uh, new Gods, Forever People, and Mr. Miracle. And then he also took over Jimmy Olsen, which uh, he also continued the story of uh, the fourth world within that. Weaved the story throughout all four titles. So he could, Jack Kirby could write and draw four titles a month. So that's what he's going to be doing. Um, hopefully Jack Kirby... Well, hopefully, I'm creating this, so he's going to have to listen to me, because I'm God in this reality. Jack Kirby's going to bring over one guy to, like, help edit the line, help the, you know, trains run on time, so he can just concentrate on drawing. Also, maybe helping out with dialogue and stuff. And who would be the best choice in 1970? Archie Goodwin. Uh, probably the best writer in comics at that point. There weren't many great writers in comics back then. He was amazing, though. He, you know, edited, and a great editor. Um, there's not a bad word said about Archie Goodwin if you read any interviews with comic creators who worked with him. He was an amazing editor. He, uh, everyone liked him because he was, he was a great editor because he would hire the right people and let them do what they did. And he wouldn't meddle with their shit and give them all stupid editor notes and try to meddle. So his comics were always great, because he all basically he knew that a good editor's job is to just hire the good artists and writers and let them go because that's what they want to do. So Archie Goodwin's going to be that basically overall editor of the line, even though Jack Kirby's going to be the main guy, you know, like controlling the company. And uh, I figure the point of departure in this it could have been as simple as Jack Kirby was at a cocktail party one day and he met some rich guy. It was like, hey, I got some money I want to invest. Like a tax shelter, maybe. I hear you're a potshit comic creator. Why don't we start a comic company? That seems like there could be money. I'll just put up the money, you run it. Things like that happen. It could have happened. And uh, I wish it did. So, the Image Comics of 1970 will start off with Jack Kirby and his fourth, four fourth world titles. But he figures... Hey, this is a great idea for other artists, too. There's other artists slaving away at Marvel and DC, not getting credit for the creations they create. And uh, I'm going to say, come on over, guys. Why don't you do what I'm doing? We can all work together. So the first guy he calls up is Steve Ditko, which would be perfect for this company. Steve Ditko has always been kind of a maverick, never tied to one company for that long. He did a lot of work for Marvel, of course. But, you know, he would always work for Charlton throughout the decades. He would make his own stuff for, like, um, Wits End, for those ground-level fanzine-type things, pro-zines. He uh, jumped over to DC when he was tired with Marvel, then jumped back to Marvel when he was tired with DC. So I think Steve Ditko would love this idea. He's a Ayn Rand type. He was. I'm sorry, Steve Ditko passed away last year. You know, he believed in that Ayn Rand stuff, uh, Fountainhead, all that stuff. He was a big believer in that, uh, a little wacky. But it seems like this would um, suit him without having these editors meddling with him all the time because Archie Goodwin's a good editor. So Steve Ditko would come over and uh, 
you know, all the characters he created for DC in the 70s and, you know, the the Creeper, that would have been an Image comic. And um, The Odd Man, which didn't last very long. That was a victim of the comics implosion of the mid-70s. Of course, later on, Shade the Changing Man, which he creates in, I believe, 77. And uh, I'm sure he would have created more stuff, knowing that he would own it and control its destiny. I'm sure he had some ideas where he's like, I don't want to give this to DC or Marvel so they can own it forever. And um, next person called up, uh, Wally Wood. Wally Wood would be perfect. Yeah, uh, he, he was always, he was actually so independent-minded that he started Witsend in the late 60s. He started a, a pro-zine. So it was a fanzine with comic stories, but it was all his fellow pros. He'd be like, hey, guys, wouldn't it be nice to just draw whatever the fuck you want for once and not just do what the comic editors tell you you have to draw? So it's amazing names in those issues. You know, Frank Frazetta's in it, Al Williamson. He had all his friends. Steve Ditko had Mr. A in there. And um, so Wally Wood would come on over. And who knows, you know, in the early 70s, he was making lots of fantasy stuff. He did some independent releases like The Wizard King and other things like that. Um, so maybe, who knows what Wally would, would have created if he uh, had his druthers and he could control everything. He was also very good at creating superheroes. Uh, a few years before 1970, he was running uh, Tower Comics. He basically created the Thunder Agents for them. And uh, those were really good superhero comics. Um, it's a shame they didn't last. Um, that deserves its own fantasy comic book editor league fantasy. Because I wish they would have lasted. They were great. Wally Wood drew a lot of their stuff. They were different kind of superheroes. So Wally Wood had a knack. He was a creator. He wasn't just some artist who could needed a script. He could make his own shit. So that's a perfect addition to this a uh, bunch of artists. Next up, they'd call Gil Kane. And Gil Kane, the great artist who most of his life worked for DC, well, at least most of his uh, early um, successes were there. So I think in 1970 he was still at DC, or he might have already gone over to Marvel, actually. But either way, they're going to nab him. They're going to poach him from the big two. And, you know, Gil Kane, also an independent guy in the late 60s, early 70s, he was making his own creations his own he had a magazine size comic called his name is savage and it was a very violent uh kind of thriller cop i don't kind of like dirty harry or J meets james bond you know but it didn't succeed bad distribution uh just didn't sell enough but he was a guy who would have been ready for image comics 1970 he he wanted to get out of the off the plantation and uh, do his own stuff. Also in the early 70s, he created a barbarian character, Black Mark, which was produced as a small paperback book. I think there was a little success with that because I think there was a second one. But uh, it wasn't really comics. It was kind of hybrid um, art and, uh, you know, prose. Um, it, was kind of, it was kind of a weird semi-comic, almost like Prince Valiant-y type style. But Gil Kane would be great. And, you know, Jack Kirby might be still cranking out ideas. So all these artists might be drawing some crazy new addition to the fourth world. Maybe there'll be eight fourth world titles and Jack Kirby can't draw them all. So if Gil Kane doesn't have a good idea for a couple of years, he's, he's going to do a long run on one of Kirby's creations. 
So um, next up, and this is a perfect fit too, they're going to call up Neil Adams. So they want some young Turks in there, some new blood, because all these guys are industry vets who've been drawing since you know, pretty much the golden age. So Neil Adams, I've talked about him many times, amazing artist, amazing, pleasing style, pleasing to the eye. And Neil Adams, also a guy, always very independent. He would work for Marvel, work for DC at the same time, even when that was frowned on, because he knew how hot shit he was. So it was like, okay, it's fine. If you don't like what I'm doing, you could fire me, and you won't get any of my work anymore. And all the companies were like, no, please stay. Neil Adams drew so many covers at this time for DC and then Marvel and other companies. I mean, they were the best covers ever. So at the very least, Neil Adams is going to be there drawing most of the covers for a lot of these comics, making them very sellable and uh, pleasing to the newsstand uh, viewers. But also Neil Adams, you know, around that time, he didn't really create much. Uh, As far as I know, Neil Adams never created a hero or you know, four comics. I could be wrong. But, you know, he drew amazing runs of Batman, Green Lantern, The Avengers, tons of stuff, Conan. So who knows? But given his freedom, I think Neil Adams could have come up with something. In the late 70s, he did come up with some characters, uh, just like Crazy Man and Ms. Mystic he created with Mike Nasser and, and, uh, a bunch of heroes, you know, they weren't that good. But, you know, maybe with a little help from Archie Goodwin, maybe Neil Adams would just say, hey, Archie Goodwin, write me a script. I don't like making up my own shit. Because remember, we got Archie Goodwin there, the best writer in comics. He could be writing comics for Gil Kane, too, and helping out Wally Wood. Because Wally Wood, you know, wasn't known for his writing. Amazing art. So that's the fifth member. And the last, but definitely not least, another young Turk to the comic industry, even more younger. Uh, Jim Steranko would join. And uh, talked about Jim Steranko many a time and uh, drooled over his stuff. Uh, Amazing artist, um, amazing writer, though. He was one of the few guys who was allowed to write and draw his own stuff at Marvel and DC, probably. And he was a better writer, on top of being one of the best artists ever in comics, He was a better writer than most of the guys writing comics at the time. His stuff on Captain America and Nick Fury, way more mature, better written than like your average Spider-Man or Superman or whatever. So he's going to come over and just make his own comics, whatever he wants to create. Who knows? Um, Maybe he'll have a Nick Fury type character, just basically have another super spy because you can't really copyright the super spy concept. Or who knows? He, he, Stryko had a lot of loves. Stryko loved uh, film noir type. You know, a few years after this, he created his character Chandler, which was like a you know tribute to Raymond Chandler uh, type fiction. And um, maybe uh, Image Comics will have some kind of weird noir comic trying to sell that. So, uh, like I said earlier, all these artists, you know, Jim Stryko might be drawing Mr. Miracle, though, if he doesn't have an idea. Because Mr. Miracle of Jack Kirby's Fourth World was based, Jack Kirby has said this in interviews, was based on Jim Steranko because Jim Steranko was an escape artist in his younger days. He had many weird careers, that guy. He was a musician. He did everything. He was just always getting weird little jobs, but then he settled down into being, you know, genius comic artist and editor, publisher later on. 
So maybe he'll be drawing Mr. Miracle, which just the idea of Jim Steranko drawing Kirby-esque shit, it just, uh, oh, that would be nice. So, yeah, Neil Adams, too. Maybe he'll just be drawing some great Kirby characters that Kirby created. and uh, Or maybe he'll just be doing a beautiful barbarian comic because Neil Adams was so good at that and that was the thing in the 70s. Maybe Gil Kane will create Black Mark and then be like, hey, I'm going to draw some other stuff for a few years. Neil Adams, you're taking over Black Mark, uh, his barbarian character. So uh, one other thing I wanted to... And then there's one title I wanted to mention that would kind of link in the whole comic company they would have their own, like, every month, like a heavy metal 96-page slick magazine that would feature all these artists and anyone else who wanted to join. Um, so they could experiment. So Steve Ditko could do his Mr. A, his very philosophical, extreme, Anne Randian, violent comics. It wouldn't really fit in on a, as a newsstand title. You know, these are sold on newsstands. It would just be... Because this is going to be a real comic company, like just like Marvel DC, just a little smaller. So, but Steve Ditko obviously wanted to write and create that those stories, and that's why he published them in, like, small press things. So, you know, this magazine could have that. It could have Woods, Wally Woods' Wizard King, because that's kind of adult. Uh, a lot of it was an excuse for Wally Wood to draw titties, because he, he drew really good titties. So it was a good fit. But it was also, you know, pretty fun fantasy-type comic. Um, and other things. I don't know. Every now and then, Wallywood might want to tell a short story or something just to satisfy his urge. And, of course, you got Archie Goodwin editing it, who did all those great anthology comics for Warren. He was the editor. And he collected some of the greatest talents of the day and uh, let them loose. Let them do what they wanted to do, and it was great stuff. Gil King could probably do His Name is Savage, because that probably wouldn't work as a newsstand comic. It was very violent. Uh, I guess that's why his name was Savage. And uh, Neil Adams could be just drawing some beautiful stories. Starenko could be experimenting with the form like he liked to do, just doing little eight-page experimental stories. (coughs) On top of that, I'm thinking... You know, guys who aren't really cut out for monthly newsstand comics. This magazine would be full of the likes of, like, Jeff Jones and Bernie Wrightson. And, uh, you know, hell, maybe, like, Will Eisner will give a story or two there, you know, every now and then. Because it's going to be like an adult-minded comic book in 1970 where artists can experiment and tell more adult tales. So just let your imagination run wild. And of course, maybe like Heavy Metal, they'll be reprinting Mobius, all the great French artists, all the other great artists. Um, So that's it. Image Comics 1970. Then I figure a few years later, there's going to be a second wave. Just like Image in our reality wasn't just content for these six artists to jump ship. They wanted to lure other people too and be like, come on, let's just suck the big two dry of all their talent, which they deserve to because they were treating them like shit. So it's uh, it's not really nefarious. It's um, righteous. You know, They're like, hey, we, we uh, t- threw off our shackles. You should too. It's a good thing. So, of course, 1973, 1974, these guys are all going to fit in perfect. It's uh, Howard Chaikin, always a very independent-minded artist, always creating his own stuff. Almost his whole career, as soon as he got into D.C., he started making up his own characters and 
later at Marvel he did. And then he wasn't content with that. He would go to independents like Star Reach and Heavy Metal. Because he, he was kind of a, you know, didn't like being told what to do, this guy. How Chicken was, uh, you know, started off a little rusty his first year or two. And then within a couple of years, he developed this amazing style. So all the stuff he created, you know, in our reality for DC and Marvel, uh, Iron Wolf, Monarch Starstalker, um, Cody Starbuck, uh, The Scorpion, and or Dominic Fortune. So these would all be comics coming out from uh, Howard Jacob. And uh, just a guy who would fit in perfectly because he wrote his own stuff. He's not just an artist. He's a full-on comics creator, a real cartoonist. Next up, Walt Simonson. Walt Simonson, uh, around 73, comes out doing Manhunter for DC, written by Archie Goodwin. And some of the best comics of the early 70s. A short run. uh, It was basically the size of a small graphic novel the collected manhunter but really good stuff especially in 1973 it it just blew up it won all kinds of awards at that year's uh whatever the awards were called back then but we got archie goodwin we got walt simonson yeah manhunter would be our character even though it's based on a dc character vaguely from the 40s so we wouldn't call him manhunter we just give him another name but they basically totally created this whole new thing and then on top of that, Walt Simonson had a Star Slammer science fiction comic, which he had already created at that point. So he was already writing and drawing his own stuff. He didn't that much for Marvel and DC all the years he worked for him until later on. And then he proved himself with a vengeance on his early 80s run on Thor, which was not only beautifully drawn by Walt Simonson, as all comics he drew were, but it was better written than most Marvel comics. Walt Simonson was a damn good writer. Uh, I recently read that run again. Fun stuff. Totally holds up. So, uh, yeah, Walt Simonson is going to be a great addition. And, of course, he might be drawing some of Jack Kirby's Fourth World stuff. He would fit in perfectly. And speaking of someone else who would fit in perfectly to be drawing Jack Kirby's Fourth World, even though he creates his own stuff so he wouldn't even have time, Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin, I really want to get in on this because that guy just created so much intellectual property if you will for marvel and he didn't see shit for it uh billion dollar movies were made of his characters um underoos were sold of his characters sticker albums uh crock pots whatever merchandise he didn't see a penny for any of it even when it used his art but you know he he didn't for, he started out just not creating his own characters but radically reinterpreting characters such as Captain Marvel and Warlock that existed and writing and drawing and brilliantly his writing was way better than most of the Marvel writers at the time even though he was just an artist at first and then of course for years he just kept you know created Thanos he created Dreadstar later on in the 80s he was always making up stuff so Jim Starlin would fit in perfectly in this 70s image as a creator and also a hot shit artist who had clout. Um, an artist who I'm not as thrilled about, but who probably would fit in perfectly here is Mike Grell. I liked Mike Grell a lot in the 70s. If you looked around in the early 70s, he was pretty damn good. Uh, it seemed like his art got worse over the years. But in the early 70s, I wouldn't mind having Mike Grell. Because that's a guy who, his whole career, he created shit. He actually was one of the few guys who just his first job at DC basically was like, Hey, I got this character named Warlord. 
and I want you to have him and if you let me write and draw him. And it lasted for like over a hundred issues. And uh so Mike and then of course later on he created John Sable and you know so this is a guy who basically liked to do his own stuff. Oh yeah, Star Slayer he created in the eighties. So Mike Grail, at least in the seventies, would be pretty good. I imagine Warlord would be here. So it does seem like we're going to have a lot of barbarian titles, but that was the thing in the early 70s. So it kind of works. So yeah, Mike Grell would come in around this time too. And, um, okay, so, oh yeah, I just wanted to say though, yeah, I guess Jim Starlin, it would make perfect sense that he would just be drawing all these great Jack Kirby creations. Cause you know, making them, make, making them his own and giving them the Starlin cosmic touch. But, uh, until he creates his own stuff. But that would be great anyway. You know, that's a perfect fit. So I figure like a few years later, 1976, um, Wendy and Richard Peeney might bring ElfQuest over. Who knows? Or at least it would be in our heavy metal type magazine. But um, Wendy and Richard Peeney, actually, uh, they did try to shop ElfQuest around to Marvel and DC, and they all turned him down. So it wasn't like they wanted to be these independent black and white, you know, magazine and control the copyright they were totally willing to sell it to marvel as long as they could create it and um but it worked out for the best because elfquest had a lot of success um and they got to reap the rewards instead of marvel or dc getting it so at our company they would because this is like image you get to control the copyright and you get most of the money and uh yeah there you go so it's pretty much the 70s. I figured this could go all the way up to the 80s and 90s. Like, there's guys in the 80s I'd love to have, you know, join, like Timothy Truman, guys who always created their own stuff, you know, Scout and just doing his own graphic novels. And he's a great writer and a great artist. Um, he actually was like developed his own comic line at Eclipse. He was like the editor in chief, wrote a lot of the comics, drew some. And uh, so he's definitely a guy who. Not just some artist, you know. He's like, give me a script. All I can do is draw. So guys like that would be perfect. And I'm sure I'm not thinking of all the guys like that. But as the 80s and 90s progressed, a lot of these guys came out of the woodwork because they could. There were independent companies allowing guys to have their own druthers. And, uh, yeah, I think that would be good. So that's the Image Comics of the 1970s. Of course, I always forget in every comic company I make... Uh, there probably would be just like an image showcase monthly on the newsstand just for whenever Jack Kirby wants to create some little character for two issues or any cool artist, you know. Maybe Bernie Wrightson would do a four-issue horror comic character they created or Mike Kaluta would do some kind of shadow-type thing or, you know, all those guys. And they wouldn't be um, forced to do a monthly comic, The Grind, but so that would be an amazing comic just all the best artists basically like hey i got a good idea i want to do three issues of it two issues maybe just one and uh all the artists will take advantage of that you know all these artists who have their monthly comics might just be like hey i got this other idea i just want to fly up the flagpole see if see who salutes so that's it image comics 1970 this would have been such a nice reality because most of these guys, you know, they got dicked around their whole lives. Um, they really kind of got reamed by the comic company. So it just makes this uh, fantasy just makes me happy. 
it would be a better world for all these guys. It would definitely would be a better world for comic readers. Uh, the comics of the seventies would have been way better with these guys cranking out good stuff. But also for these guys, it would have been nice because Image Comics, those guys kind of crapped the bed, put out a lot of shit. They uh, didn't really take advantage of their freedom, but they did make a lot of money for once, as they deserved to. People wanted to buy their comics by the millions, and instead of just getting a nice little bonus royalty, they they reaped the rewards instead of Marvel Comics reaping their rewards. And I think that's a great thing, and uh, I'm glad they started it. I just wish they made better comics. So uh, there you have it, the fake faux history of Image Comics, 1970. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing next week or next episode. Maybe I'll get back to Amazing Comics finally. Maybe I won't. But uh, I like going off of these tangents. I have lots of various things like this, fantasies, and uh, so I don't know. But thanks for listening. And... uh, Hang in there, kitty.